Welcome into the waiver fire. We are coming after the Super Bowl. We are coming after Dune. It was an exciting weekend, man. JP, how are you? I'm great. That Super Bowl was not what I expected, but at least it wasn't just like a trouncing. There was there was a lot of exciting stuff for sure. Yeah. I yeah, I kind of as I guess throughout the week, I kept getting into my head like they're they're gonna give this to Tom Brady, aren't they? They're just gonna let I don't know, like he's gonna earn it, but they're also gonna kind of let him win. And I think we talked about the 56 and a half over under. That felt high to me, but I was not expecting nine points from KC. Wow. Pretty um pretty exciting. But so we'll get into a Super Bowl and then I think we're gonna spend most of the time on our movie series again, man, my favorite part of our show these days. And geez, now that, now that football, football is gone, JP, football is gone for so long. It's sad. And I'll start thinking about it earlier than most people, but yeah, it's gone for a long time. And I, you know, unfortunately I just don't like professional basketball, which is, I know if you like, if you like it, it's right in the heart of the season and it's a nice, smooth transition but i basically have nothing till i've started to somewhat get into baseball but really it's gonna be till mid-august when college football kicks off that i'm in this just drought yeah (sighs) oh well at least we had a season man i honestly didn't see it coming and so i didn't think we'd last till now i definitely didn't think we'd get super bowl action and it was nice it was a great season i had i had so much fun got into a two fantasy championships out of my three leagues so that was awesome didn't win either championships but that's all right mm-hmm. uh learned learned a lot but it was great man and the super bowl was cool i i do think that the refs were a little ridiculous in the first half and, and gave some basically gave everything to tampa bay and Okay, some of them may have been mildly close, but most of them, in my opinion, were pretty brutal. Some pass interference stuff on uncatchable balls, in my opinion. Ticky-tacky personal foul when (laughs) – I think they showed like in a – I don't know if it was like right after a commercial break, but they were like, they were like, this game's been pretty chippy, guys. And they showed like eight clips back-to-back of each team just like straight up punching each other and pushing each other to the ground and stuff. And yet Tampa Bay gets the only personal foul that I think, I think Casey may have gotten a personal foul like late in the game when it was, it was over, but yeah. Anyways, you know, I try to look past that. They definitely favored them and it it, it taints, it taints the victory, but you know, you got to give all the credit in the world to that Tampa Bay defense. Just unbelievable. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we, we knew that that Casey was a, one-dimensional team with Hill and Kelsey. That was, that was the team, but, but I didn't think it could be stopped. (laughs) It was one of those things like, it doesn't matter if you know, it's coming, Uh, they're going to win with it. And I don't know, I guess, I wonder if it highlights that you really do need to be at least somewhat, um, you know, multiversal. They need to respect the run game early in the game because they were just doubling Hill and Kelsey, like doubling them both for every play. And, and Clyde, you know, just didn't get the opportunity. 
he, he looked fine ish. He didn't look like anything special, but he looked fine as a runner, but they just couldn't commit. They, they, they wanted to try to do Kelsey and Hill up and down the field and it got shut down. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so did they look bad or, or something like, or was it all about how Mahomes was like hobbled? Kelsey had some, some unconventional drops, but, but, you know, it's tough when you're watching this because honestly, a lot of it was um, either Mahomes getting sacked and therefore you just kind of assume that Kelsey and Hill were covered uh, because, you know, you don't really get to see the routes only a couple times will they actually zoom out and show routes or potential separation. So you'll have to look into some kind of deeper analytics after the game to know if Kelsey and Hill were, were themselves and Mahomes was maybe just off or because he did a lot of check, you know, a lot of check downs and I don't know, tough to really um, evaluate. I do see that you're, you're wanting to ask the question about, does this one game change draft stock for any, any, I guess for these two players, but for any player. And how about you start that discussion? Um, well, for me, for me, I don't think it does, but I, I just, I wonder, I want to ask somebody who would have drafted Mahomes when you would have had to draft Mahomes this coming year and see if it changed their mind at all. Because I, as much as I like him as a player, I'm just never going to have him because he's going to go too early for me. Yeah, I'll never be on Mahomes probably for, you know, his ten, his, his entire career, I want to say, because he will be a perennial second third rounder and until until he finally gets to that kind of Aaron Rodgers stage where he's had two years of drop off and then he finally goes back to like the like what Aaron Rodgers was eighth ninth tenth round so I won't I won't be in at that price because it's just I mean he's he, he is exceptional he really is exceptional but he doesn't do enough on his legs and I mean, it's just incredibly hard to get to 50-plus touchdowns, even if you are amazing. It's just so hard. Um, so for me, I don't think this game – I want to think about – Kelsey, I don't think it changes. I don't think anybody is like, oh, look, there's that one game where he didn't – he was still, you know, a target hog. He's still such a focal point that I think he's still a back end of the first rounder. Um, Hill, I don't think it changes – I, the only person I want to say that it might change the value for is that Leonard Fournette, baby. Oh, my <laughs> God. I said if I wanted one thing in this game, it was a Leonard Fournette play. And, and while it really wasn't a very spicy uh, run, it was basically just there was a huge hole and he, he didn't get touched until the end zone. But he, he was the dagger of that game. It was 21-9. And, you know, Mahomes, and they were starting to maybe get a little bit of a little bit of momentum. And then that touchdown put him up 28-9, and it was just over after that. So I think he absolutely gets a contract. I, I don't think that it's back in Tampa Bay. I think a team's actually going to take a chance on him. And I'm excited, man. I, I think it'll be fun. I, I hope he goes somewhere decent. I haven't even really thought about teams. Um, but, but I'm excited for him because I, I think – that he'll be good, but I don't think that he'll be really hyped 
I think this game, I think this game got him a better contract, but I don't think it pushed anybody's fantasy value too much. I think he'll be like, if he goes somewhere pretty good, I think he'll be like maybe like a sixth rounder. And I think that could be pretty cool. So how about you for, do you see any, any other differences in this game? I mean, the, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I like what you said about Fernand. I mean, I'm, I definitely look at him a little better right now. Yeah. Yeah. He really did make a run towards the end of last year. And hopefully the team he goes to can use, can use those, those sexy uh, pass catching hands, which are not actually good, but for some reason, Tampa Bay thought that he was just an elite pass catcher. It was kind of crazy, but, and I really do hope that if that happens, I, I hope they, I hope they invest in Ronald Jones and give him, you know, 15 carries a game because he really does look explosive, but you know, he just can't catch the ball very well. So I'm excited for him if he stays there and he's, he remains like the, the dominant uh, running back there. But that was about, that was all my favorites. Um, I tried to pay attention to the commercials. Do you, do you get into the commercials much at all? Or do you not care about that? Um, I've seen some of them. I think, I think it was pretty down year for me. I think one of my favorites was probably like a, the peanut M&M or just the M&M in general one. It was pretty funny. It was like about um, apologizing for things that you intentionally did uh, by giving M&Ms to the person that you did it to. Eh, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. I liked it. But uh, I guess those are my highlights. I, I did really the highlight was that I realized that my local grocery store sells store brand kettle chips, which I'm so excited. I, I still remember when when kettle chips were like the new hotness, you know, like they were kind of a, <laughs> I guess it was kind of like kettle chips and then pretzel chips. And then hmm, I don't really know what's the new sexiness these days, but I remember when kettle chips were like really hot, hot items. And I'm so glad that it has kind of trickled down to be store brand and they're yeah. just, inc- they're just incredibly good. And they're, they're so good with some, uh, what is it? Uh, sour cream and onion um, dip. Oh my God. It's so it, fire, it, man. It sounds delicious. Ooh, it, it made me a very happy man. The wings I got, they were fine, but the, uh, the chips and dip really uh, brought it home. All right, man. Well, anything else on the Super Bowl from your end? Nope. Let's dive into the movies. We continue the David Lynch adventure. We go from a racer head into elephant man, which is, it was, it was a shift of, of tone, but it seemed like a logical shift. And then he goes into Dune, which I, I see some similarities, I guess, in terms of it's kind of, you know, it's fantastical and, uh, you know, you can do a lot with costumes and characters, but man, after seeing the film, it is, it is strikingly different than his first two films. Um, and, and I have to put it out there that I'm going to say some good things about this film throughout the next hour or so. And I liked some some things but overall jp i have to say i thought this film was was pretty rough it was yeah. it was a bit of a train wreck for me were you able to watch it this week or did you have it has been a while uh, i was able to watch it 
Well, well, give give me your kind of initial or your 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 big takeaways. Is it is it a good film for you? Did you enjoy it, or or did you think it was a bit of a train wreck too? Um. So some bullet points. Okay. <laughs> um, he David came in. This was his first big studio movie. Oh, was the Elephant Man? The Elephant Man got Anthony Hopkins, but I guess it was it was somewhat low budget. I mean, it was a it was a um, Mel Brooks like, you know, little baby child, love love child. The sets weren't like incredibly expensive and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, But this is like a sci-fi movie, and uh, so David shot four hours worth of stuff, and he was expecting for him to cut it down to three and then they cut it down to Whoa. two. And he wanted to he wanted to do a three hour film in nineteen eighty four. That's ballsy. Right. So it ended up as a two hour movie. Um that, I don't know obviously what that other hour was, but that one of my biggest complaints was that it did feel rushed, especially in the second half. There were some, there were some like light speed jumps in time and relationships. And so that makes sense. Unfortunately, that maybe, maybe some of those pieces that would have made it a really nice film kind of got left on the chopping block. They had to add some, um, some like character development things in post that were like inner monologues for characters where the characters just like thinking and stuff and it's supposed to kind of like substitute for some of the scenes that you're not getting i see and some it's something david never wanted it's one of those things where he did not get final cut on this movie like they they took what he gave them and they made whatever they wanted to out of it damn damn um he was truly a director. He wasn't the writer or anything like that. Like these people went by a script, you know? So I don't know that it really just wasn't the right place for David. He never should have been there, but from what he has, what he came up with, um, I don't know. I always have a great time with it. It is. When I look at it as, as just kind of like just a fun adventure film, I'm into it because I like I like the kind of risks that he takes over like Star Wars. You know, Star Wars has some some fantastic characters and and they they show some kind of somewhat grossness with like Jabba and and some of the other aliens, but but I love that that this movie really gets pretty gnarly with the characters. You know, like the main villain has that nasty like growth on his face and and like the floating bulbous alien that like exudes spice in his little container. I mean, he really gets pretty nasty with it. And I really enjoy that. So so I like it from kind of just a fun adventure film. But that's that really breaks my heart that um 
that he did not get the last edit, you know, and that, and honestly, those are some of my biggest negatives are the, the kind of voiceover thoughts. You know, I like the, I'm cool with the voiceover, like mental uh, telepathy, like when the witches are talking to him and, you know, that's fine. That's like, kind of like, um, like in Lord of the Rings, I think when the elves like talk to you with telepathy, I'm cool with that. But yeah, the, the voiceover thoughts where he's, he's really hashing it out in his head. It sucks because you obviously want him to learn those through, you know, on screen experiences or whatever. So that's brutal that, that the negatives in my opinion were, were forced upon him, but, but there were a lot of cool stuff. Honestly, the, (laughs) some of the most fun I had with this film was, was kind of recognizing the just insane amount of actors and actresses that I that I picked up on from other things. And, and maybe in some cases it it took away from the film, like having agent Cooper from twin peaks be the main character was very weird, super weird to, to have watched some of twin peaks and have that, that just classic agent Cooper, you know, thrust into Paul, um, whatever his last name in this film, it's like, I could not. uh, Yes. I could not unsee Agent Cooper. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So, but there were some fun ones. I'm just going to run through these if that's cool, because I think they're all pretty fun. Mm. Um, it was awesome recognizing the the evil, the main evil main character's either son or like, I, I don't know if it was a son or a helper, but basically it was the worm tongue actor, which is, awesome i I really like that character and i was like oh my god that's that's worm tongue uh 20 years earlier and then actually go ahead that guy is uh he's he's a mintat which is like uh it's kind of like a android type thing oh i see and you like you like buy them because they're really smart and they help you do stuff. Huh. And apparently some mintats don't end up very good. And they call them <laughs> twisted mintats. Oh shit. He's a, he's a twisted mintat. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's your guy. I like that background, man. That's awesome. And he, he really does act very well. I really like him uh in this and uh, as worm tongue. And and then maybe even bit more coincidentally in my book club we just started one flew over the cuckoo's nest which this actor is also in as a a prominent character he's he's like the um uh what is it called mumbling muttering stuttering there it is he's the stutterer friend of uh jack nicholson so very interesting to see him there while i'm reading that uh that story um, we get to see the elephant man circus manager come back, back to back films for David Lynch as Mr. Eyebrows himself. Oh boy. His eyebrows were vicious. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> that was so cool that David Lynch, uh, I, I have to assume that David, you know, personally, uh, requested him back on the film or at least, you know, suggested he, um, uh, audition or whatever. So that was awesome yeah, to see him for, in such sure. wildly different ones. 
it can be a coincidence. Yeah. And then I, I was realizing as I was looking at him, I can't remember if it was when I was watching the film or afterwards in IMDb, that he was also in Count of Monte Cristo as a kind of a smaller character. But I, that was one of my childhood favorite films. So I was like, oh, my God, it's it's so cool to see these actors, uh, you know, throughout their careers. Um, we saw Big Ed as the leader of the free folk. I don't exactly remember Big Ed too much from what I've seen in Twin Peaks, but it was just so funny to be like, wait a second, I know that guy. Who is that guy? And then looking up, it's like, oh, my God, more Twin Peaks actors? David Lynch certainly had his favorites and his like his little family of actors, which is really cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, family is a good word. Um, the Baron, the evil guy, the Baron played a... Uh, Lord in Amadeus, which Amadeus is one of my most favorite films. And he plays a kind of smaller role, but he has some good lines in it and a totally different character. It's basically a Lord that wants to hire Mozart to be his daughter's uh, tutor. And a couple things go wrong or whatnot. It's a small character, but again, so cool to see them. And that was the same year uh, I saw Amadeus came out in the same year as Dune and Wow, to do those two roles, that must have been a trip for him. But um, let's see. That is, and you know, the bear in this character was huge. The other one, not so much, but still to transition. Incredible. The the Blade Runner main girl was uh, Paul's lady friend. I, I can't remember her name in this film or in Blade Runner, but that's so cool that she was like back to back um lady friends from you know pretty famous uh, sci-fi films yeah for sure i mean i i do think that blade runner coming out um i think two years before this even paints a little bit more of a ridiculous picture on this film it's like dude blade runner came out two years ago and in my opinion this film's you know of course storyline but also even effects and and stuff are way behind Blade Runner. So a little, anyways, it was cool to see her go back to back there. Let's see a couple more. We had the doctor of the free folk was from seventh seal, which I have not actually seen seventh seal, but I've seen that cover so many times and wanted to see that movie that I recognized him from that. Anyways, <laughs> um, sting. What? Yeah. I couldn't, I could not believe that when we're getting introduced to the Baron and he's having his skin prodded and the doctor being like, your skin is so beautiful. <laughs> and then we, we transition over and there's Sting sitting in, in the outfit or whatever with his hair done up. I was like, no freaking way. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, that was a, one of those things where David really, he actually did have a little bit of creative control on something like that. And, and he didn't like it at first, but he saw, he saw like, a, I can't remember if it was a tape or in-person tryout, but he was, or, or maybe it was another project he did, but he ended up liking him. I mean, he really, as much as he's a very integral part of the film, he doesn't have a lot of screen time in comparison to people like Paul. 
Yeah, and I I would say as you know, for the limited screen time, he did pretty well. He was a pretty cool character. Yeah. I think the like the final showdown at the end, like the knife fight wasn't wasn't really that good, but but for the most of the movie, he was really cool looking. I, I liked his uh his acting and yeah. part. Couple more. We had we had Patrick freaking Stewart. <laughs> what? Like not in a prominent role, just kind of as this like minor um general of of Paul's or whatever. It was so weird. And then, and then after he like randomly gets reunited with Paul, like in the middle of a battle, he's got this mullet going. I was just, I was laughing so hard. Let's get back. We had Patrick Stewart in his mullet and that was nuts. I I'm guessing, I don't know, but I have to guess that um, some of that two hours that was clipped out, was some Patrick Stewart stuff. I, I don't think he would have necessarily signed up for this project with that small of a role. I mean, it was tiny. He had like like three scenes in it. Yeah. Wild. Uh, we had we had the captain from Das Boot playing Paul's dad. That was weird. Das Boot, another one of my most favorite films, but to see him play the father and that father role that was something else, man. <laughs> Father role and that mother, that whole family. I don't know. The signet, I don't want, go ahead. The little signet, the ring, the the other guy was obsessed with That was pretty ring. funny when the yeah, when they were like examining the dead body or whatever and they didn't have the ring. That was a good scene. <laughs> and then of course. We cannot have a, a David Lynch film without Jack Nance just playing Jack Nance himself. There you go. Like literally the least amount of makeup or anything. Just just maybe dyed the hair a little bit and and had Jack Nance just play himself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It really was perfect. I'm so glad that he got it put in there. Um all right. Well, I have some kind of likes and dislikes, but before I get into that, do you want to kind of chow through any thoughts? Um, I think I've got some notes here, but let's get through the likes and dislikes. All right. Well, we talked about how I thought the second half was just rushed. It went from like, he, it took maybe a, a half to like two thirds of the movie for him and his mom to get like, abandoned into the desert and then the last third was just this like hyper rush of paul becoming a super god and all of the armies coming to the planet and them winning it was just that second half was all over the place we talked about how i disliked the voiceover thoughts the cgi was was pretty rough at times i mean I, i try to compare it even to like star wars and Blade Runner, which were before this, and man, some of the CGI was was yikes. And I I know early '80s, you know, it is what it is. They were they were trying new things, but if it's if if it's not there, man, let it go. Like wait until wait until it's there to try some of those things. But oh well, I tried to look past those, like riding the worms. That and, and that kind of that kind of gets to the point where. 
you know, I don't know exactly because I've never read Dune and we were talking about this before the show. I, I've never read Dune. I don't know how true it was to the story. So, you know, I don't want to like insult the story because it is very famous. But man, for me, if the story is that he like rides on worms to take down these like super beings, not my favorite, man, really not my favorite. Um, and, and the way they did it, like the uh, the worms just looked looked brutal at, some, at points, but that's all right. That's all right. Let's get past it. Um, some of the combat scenes, especially at the end, like the war scenes were just heinous. I, I'm not sure if David Lynch, um, you know, I haven't seen him do any sweeping war scenes and so far oh for one, in my opinion, like the, the actors doing just obscene stuff and those shots were rough. The explosions were brutal. All right. All right. Let's get past it. Um, a couple other things like the the military outfits that they were wearing. I think Star Wars did this a couple times too, where like, I, I really want these films, if they're going to show a, a future dimension, you know, or not dimension, but a future world, like way in advance, and they're going to have all these aliens and new technology. I just want them to go. I just want them to go all in. You know, I want them to change everything. I don't want to be seeing like, military outfits from world war ii you know i want to see like them all just being in crazy shit the entire time i don't want to see people wearing like i don't know cadet hats and stuff like that it's just i want to be completely um escaped to a different dimension i don't want any ties to to our world but that's all right so those were my dislikes and then i think some of the best parts First off, dude, Paul's mom, hottest mom ever on screen. <laughs> Maybe she's pretty. Holy sure. crap. I was like, okay, so this is like Paul's sister. Wait, wait, this is Paul's mom? No. And then, of course, two thirds of the movie in, you know, she's looking fantastic. They turn her into the witch and shave her head. Ah. Oh. It was brutal, man. The, the eye candy was completely taken from me. That's all right. She was a cool character, too. I liked her as a character. I mean, the entire way, even her transition to being a witch, she was badass. And, man, smoking. The costumes were badass. I liked the um, I liked the evil guy, the black costumes, and their shaved heads and whatnot. They looked super sweet. And, like, we already talked about the kind of – exuding spice alien guy i can't i guess he was like kind of in charge of actually using the spice to like warp them to other worlds he was awesome i loved him um i thought the burning hand scene where he has to like stick his hand in a box and then he's like picturing the hand burning that felt very nicely lynchian right there it was it was really tasty um, love that. And then I think my favorite scene for some weird reason was when Paul's dad gets that tooth of poison and he keeps being like, what did he say? Oh, the tooth, the tooth. 
And then all of a sudden, I did not expect just a massive torrent of poisonous gas to flow out right into um, Wormtongue's face. Oh, man, it was so good. I thought like I thought, okay, maybe he'll just breathe out some the air and it'll kill him. But David Lynch just goes above and beyond and gives gives Das Boot just this badass torrent of poison. Love that. So there were some small victories, but overall, a little tough to stomach at, at parts. Yeah, I understand. Um, well, I, I I know you said the person was from Blade Runner, the lady friend. Um, I'm actually going to make a little connection to Blade Runner in a second from this movie. Um, Patrick Stewart, you were talking about him earlier. I think this was actually like getting his career going or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't think he was big time yet. Um, Yeah, the rushed second half. It so later, the studio, they took all the footage from David's four hours and put together a two-part made-for-TV movie that in length was a little bit longer, but it left out some things from the original movie. So the Dune fans have gone in and taken their favorite parts from each movie. Oh. Ow. And it's about it's about three hours long, the the one the thing that they spliced together. And it's a little bit more coherent. It's got a lot more stuff in it. It's a little bit more satisfying. Um someday maybe check it out, but I mean I can dig it, but man, the more I think about it, I don't know if it's just like my time, the time in my life right now or whatnot, but the Dune story in the environment, it just doesn't do it for me for some reason. I mean, maybe if it's done in a different way, like maybe the new one coming out, uh, what is it, this year or next year or something, like the modern adaption, maybe it'll do something different for me, but end of the year. I don't know. Is it end of this year? I mean, I probably will check it out because it, it looks cool, but I don't know. Just, just not my cup of tea for some reason. Yeah, the brutal CGI. They say that, um, and it's it was all done in post production. They they say that if Dune had happened like two years in the future, that they would have been able to afford the effects to not make it look horrible. That's what I'm saying, like, man. If you can't do it, just wait. Well, you're talking to you're talking to a, a movie studio, something that can't be. <laughs> Yeah, not, you're not, right. Not just David or someone that has some sort of like, you know. I know, I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the riding of the worms, those Freeman people, I think they like always ride the worms. So that's like one of the things. Eventually they go on some crazy uh, jihad where there is like a holy war in the name of uh, Paul. I know. I, I recognize <laughs> something in their culture, but it was just so ridiculously shot. And then when they're right on top and they're just kind of giggling at each other, like little schoolboys, 
Uh, all right. All right. Keep going. Yeah. Um, but other than that, so the, the whole, like if last movie David's like angel was Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks made it so that David could do whatever he wanted, you know, and have total creative control. This time he's got this guy, Dino De Laurentiis. He's he's got like an in, he's a producer with like an insane amount of movies under his belt. Well, I recognized at the beginning David Lynch said something like this movie's dedicated to a De Laurentiis. Was that him or was that a relative? I'm sure it was Dino. But that was weird to me like this movie's dedicated to somebody? Okay. Yeah, so like if you look if you look at all of his movies, he's been going since for 1946, and all, all of his all of the directors on the list are like Italian. So you've got like, oh. but one one that I keep seeing over and over again is Fellini. Really. Mm-hmm. So he's doing Whoa. The, the Fellini movies, the Italian movies, and then coming in and doing a few David Lynch movies here. He does Blue Velvet as well. Um, this guy's got the bankroll, you know, he's got the... So what, what Dino allows David to do is not to have creative control over like the finished product, but he has total creative control about what they give to the studio. So as far as the set and everything that happens on set, David was able to, you know, have his liberties with. So that was okay. Um, Well, that's, we'll talk about Blue Velvet in just a minute because it is the next film, but I have to say I'm a little bit surprised that after Dune, any of the producers were were willing to give David Lynch another try because it wasn't, I mean, I've seen the bad reviews. Wasn't it kind of like, didn't it kind of dumpster fire at the box office? Yeah, uh, it was, it was like a, it lost like a quarter of its money in the box office. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked honestly that, that a producer would go right back in. Yeah. Well, it was the one that, that, that got David in in the first place. Mm. And I think they knew that it wasn't David's fault that it was so awful. Oh, that's Um, nice. Money was a problem the entire time that they were shooting Dune, uh, worrying about who was getting paid with lots and lots of people everywhere. Right. um, Getting sets made and stuff like that. It was shot in uh, Mexico. Oh, okay. The the studio that that was shooting it was trying to save money, so they they took Dune and another movie, and they tried to shoot them both in the desert out there in Mexico, since they were like a similar backdrop. Oh my god! So it was like it was like a total like shit show with all of that happening. Um, Jesus. 
like I said, the special effects, if they had waited a couple of years, they could have been better. They could have afforded them. Um, one of the big things is from the book, the weirding way, which ended up just being like the module that they yell into and it shoots. A right. That was so disappointing. I'm not sure what you're about to say, but, but yeah, they were like, teach us your weirding. And then it was like, oh, you just make these things. <laughs> yeah. So in, in the, in the book, the weirding is like a type of fighting where they, it seems like they disappear. Oh. And they like, you know, imagine like an anime where, where someone's like, like a Dragon Ball Z type thing where they're, they seem to be appearing and, and reappearing. That's what, that's what the weirding is supposed to be like. Um, it's like a hand to hand type thing. And mm. David actually was quoted saying something like he didn't want Kung Fu on sand. Oh, wow. So he was going with well, the guns. He. Oh, oh, the whole device thing was totally separate as well. Oh, yeah. That's he made, he made the oh. whole thing up. Um, I guess he was trying to go with like a Star Wars type thing, seeing the success from that. But I really yeah. can't say. Damn. It's one of the things that the Dune fans really hate. Oh, I could see that just being. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know exactly how the weirding obviously works in the book, but how are you fist fighting, you know, um, what do I want to say? Like incredibly intelligent and advanced super cultures, you know, like isn't at some point they're going to be some sort of enemy that can defeat hand to hand combat. I don't care how invisible or jumping you can be. I mean, <laughs> hand to hand can only be so strong, I guess. But anyways, I won't judge it. I won't judge the original content, but wow, that is so ballsy of David to just make, that big of a jump because it seemed like I don't know, but there was like a review. I think the first review on IMDb was like, this stays true to the book in terms of like the plot or whatever. So to stay true that much and then change that um, fighting technique, kind of interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, whenever, if, if I were to meet a person that was kind of sad or mad about the way that this movie turned out, I would kind of point them to what could have been with the previous um, Dune that could have been. There's this guy, and his name is Alejandro Jodorowsky. And I did see this uh, trailer that you sent me. Okay. So this dude, I have... I have one of his movies. I bought it just on a whim because I heard I saw a trailer and it was supposed to be like just a total trip. And it's called The Holy oh, Mountain. I've got the Blu-ray of this mm. stupid movie. Um, I bought <laughs> it. It's not. I did. I did not enjoy it. It's kind of a weird just trip about like Jesus and and oh. stuff and. I, it was kind of just trippy just for the sake of being trippy. But gotcha. at a certain point, 
um, this dude got his hands on like the intellectual rights to to Dune, mm. and he tried to make in his in his words a movie that would make that would induce the effects of acid for people who had never done drugs before. I I liked from the trailer. I liked the ballsiness. Again, I, I think it kind of that goes back to what I said about like, if you're going to go all in on costumes and effects, like go all in, man, make, make everybody just super fucking weird. I would have been down for, I, if, if you're telling me that he did the Holy mountain and from what you've told of that, I'm nervous that he would have just like thrown the actual story to the floor and just kind of done weird shit. But man, it would have been exciting to see that happen. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the highlights of it were, that they were going to have Pink Floyd do the music. Um, it was Dude, gonna have... hold up. I'm sorry to stop you there. But fucking Toto was was not it, man. Was not it at all, in my opinion. Oh, that's that Dune soundtrack <laughs> was brutal. I thought it was okay. I like, I like Brian Eno. He was one of the... Yeah, he did. I think he did the theme song it said or something, which I honestly didn't even really pick up on throughout the film. But it it wasn't a Brian Eno he tracked the one that he did. It, it wasn't like a trippy one. I guess. Um. Anyway, so it was going to be Pink Floyd and wow. Sal. It was one of the characters was Salvador Dali. I saw that as the emperor that would have been nuts because honestly the emperor in this film was so tame that kind of disappointing. Like I compare him to what was it? Um, Hitchhiker's guide. Did you see Hitchhiker's guide? Uh, no. Mm, well, essentially I think they're, I don't know if they call him an emperor, but he's like the president of the universe and he's totally fucking weird and I love it. So to see the emperor of the universe kind of be just this aristocrat wasn't fantastic. I would have much preferred to see Salvador Dali do it. Yeah. So Salvador, he reportedly wanted to get paid a hundred thousand dollars an hour, <laughs> and they were worried about losing him. So uh, Alejandro told him that since he was only getting, he was only going to be on film for six minutes or seven minutes hmm. then he could get a hundred thousand dollars per minute if he wanted wow <laughs> which is really just like doesn't mean anything but it's right. just a funny thing to say i like it um it was gonna have mick jagger as one of the characters it was going to have Orson Welles as one of the characters Orson Welles would have been very interesting in his fat phase for sure and probably the most interesting thing about the whole thing is that Alejandro and H.R. Geiger got together. And he, Geiger is like the guy from Alien. He, he worked oh. on, he worked, he like did the original design for the aliens in Alien. Oh, I see. Um, he, he worked on every alien movie all the way up until like Prometheus. Um, so he's, this guy is like one of the most like prolific 
um, like sculptor, set designer of all time. Like, and what happened was they submitted 3000 sketches. Holy shit. Of, of like uh, scenes that they wrote and stuff like that to the studio. And when this thing got trashed, the studio kept all of those sketches and stuff. Oh. And um, according to Alejandro, he can show you like which movies they used his sketches to make. <laughs> up, they up snatched in, the ideas. Yeah, up until like oh. up until like 2012. Like there's examples from that recently. Oh my god, that's kind of sad. And they're like glaring because he has like copies of the old sketches and stuff Fuck like that. Me, that's brutal. But yeah. Uh, well, Alien would have been an interesting uh you know, at least the designer, that would have been really cool to see what he could have done. I like David Lynch's takes on a lot of the costumes and looks, but that would have been badass. Although I have to say, did you ever see, have you seen Alien, the original? I have. I I want to say that it's a little, it's a little overrated. I, I was not a huge fan, to be honest. I'm not a fan of it very much, but I, uh, I was kind of People try to explain to me why I'm not a fan. Hmm. And I think one of the things about Alien is that it has a lot of stereotypes in it. Okay. Like really horrible stereotypes that we all hate in movies hmm. that are really played out and were probably played out like when we were kids. And what it is, is it, it was the first time that they did those horrible playbacks. I respect that. I respect that. There's, there's many movies that you look back and if you watch them now, if you didn't see them at the time, you're like, this is so cliche. And it's like, yeah, but it made those cliches. So yeah. I, I, I respect that. If that's the case, I can, I can see it as being groundbreaking and honestly, just absolutely terrifying and awesome when it came out. But Anyways, I'm, all right. No, I'm, I can I'm with that. you. I had the same reaction. Like I compare it to something like The Thing, and The Thing is is just one of the best movies that, it, like, in my top twenty, I would say. And I mean, it gets a lot of respect, but for some reason, Alien has this more Hollywoodized. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Any other goodies? Um. At the beginning, when you saw the uh, the navigator, yeah, what do they call him? The guild navigator come in, okay, to the yeah, room, yeah, yeah. Which I think we talked about that. I, I was trying to find out if that was really um, if they're actually like floating around in tanks because my brother didn't really remember it. Oh, but, it looked it looked like a real model. Well, yeah. So I looked it up. And there's act, there's always forever for all the guilds, there's one guy and he just he's always getting spice and over time his body mutates and it, his face becomes elongated. Oh, that was a dude? That was a that human? was a person. Yeah, that oh was a person. Oh my god. Oh my so, god. So 
you take they have this one person that takes spice and i i can't find out if it is like a supernatural power that allows them to fold space but from what i'm seeing right now it's like they use technology and because they have the ability of pre-science they're able to safely navigate what is basically like like a star trek jump like mm. like you know or a star wars light speed or whatever you know right like, right so it's not like them just like by the will of their powers like i don't think just making a giant spacecraft go from one place to another it's more like they uh have the ability to direct the spacecraft using that's kind of a clever way to do it yeah because i mean you look at light speed in star wars and you're kind of like okay i guess maybe the quickness is somewhat like thinkable even but then to to dodge all of the shit that you would blow up on um, absurd. But that I like that approach that they actually have this like somewhat super God be able to manipulate that. I dig that. But yeah, I guess that's, that's what they were going for. And but what I was going to say about that scene is apparently the, the outfits that the henchmen or guild members are wearing is actually out of used body bags. Um, oh, the black, the black guys, or the—I mean, the skinheads. Yeah, I guess they're bald. They're just—they're wearing this, the, this awful clothes. That, <laughs> I, I really I mean, like those. If you look at them, they—you could be like, "Oh yeah, those are body bags." Holy but like, shit! But like they—they they were like uh yeah they weren't like new body bags we bought them they were used they used to have bodies in them and we cut i don't them. even i don't even understand well because they were in mexico they were in mexico remember okay so they just couldn't they, david really needed body bags he couldn't go with just plastic um wrap that you like don't ask me i don't know but that's insane yeah Wow, that gives me a more of appreciation. I mean, that was like there was like thirty actors. I don't know if shit. I don't know if I would be convinced to to do a small little stage part if I had to step into a used body bag. But wow, yeah, you're All already right. in Mexico. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Well, I like those. I appreciate you filling those in, and I I think there were there were some fun some fun takeaways. I was. You know, both with Dune and the Super Bowl, I went into this weekend with some high expectations. And unfortunately, I was a little let down by both. But it is what it is, man. You know, that makes the good ones that much better. And and we will continue down the David Lynch journey. And and we have your favorite coming up. I have not yeah. seen it yet. We're this going into the, Blue Velvet. This is the best one. I don't think anybody could not enjoy this one. Well, I've seen it many times on Criterion Collection, and so I've seen 
I want to say I've seen a trailer, and so I know that it's that um, that guy whose name is now slipping, but a famous actor who plays a really gnarly dude. So yeah, very excited to see it for sure. And uh, tune in next Tuesday where we'll talk it over, watch it with us, and it'll be fun, man. Yeah, Dennis Hopper plays Frank De- Booth. That's exactly right, Dennis Hopper. All right, man. I'm excited for it. See you next time. Good night.